one of the, the first, actually I believe it's the most important major part of dealing with spiritual warfare is just to realize to begin with you're in a war. Okay? If you don't know you're in a war, then you're not going to deal with it. If you think, if you think the stuff that's going on in your life that's, that's, that's attacks, that's, that's, that's bad, that's negative, if you think that's just the way life is, then you'll just accept it and go on down the road and not deal with the fact that we are in a war. We have a real enemy that's out to get us. And so one of the, one of the first major parts, I believe, in doing warfare is just to, just to realize it. First Peter says this in, in chapter 5, says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In other words, as Christians, as believers, we need to just kind of pay attention to what's going on in our lives. There, there's a real enemy, we're in a battle, we're in a war, and we should pay attention to that and, and, and notice that and know what to do with it when it happens. In 2 Corinthians it says that lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Some translations call it schemes. We are not ignorant of his schemes. And, and I've said this before, I, I think that's probably, I think, it's, I think many Christians, many believers are ignorant schemes and we look at those things we look at things that happen toward us and, and things that, that come against us in our lives and against our walk with Jesus and we look at those things and we think we think anything other than the fact that it's an enemy that's trying to deal with us we'll blame it on our own our own life we'll blame it on on God we'll blame it on our friends we'll blame it on our family we'll blame it on our spouses we'll, we'll blame it on that's just how I was wired that's the way God made me, and we, right? I, I, listen, I could, I could, I can't tell you how many times I've heard from somebody. Well, that's just, that's just the way I'm wired. You ever heard that? In other words, I'm this mean whatever because that's the way I'm made, <laughs> or I, I do this because that's that's just who I am. Well, you know what? When Jesus comes in your life, you don't have to keep living just who you are. Thank you, Trish. <laughs> when, Jesus, when Jesus comes in our life, he, he, my understanding, when Jesus comes in our life, he ought to kind of change who we are. We should, we should start being a little different. We ought to act a little different, think a little different, talk different, because Christ lives in us now. He's he ought to be changing those things. So that's really not a valid excuse. Well, that's just who I am. Well, don't be just who you are. Change. Amen? You know, <laughs> several weeks ago, it's probably been three or four weeks ago now, I, was, I had a really one of those weeks that was just, just one of those weeks. Y'all ever have those? And uh, it just seemed like nothing happened good. Everything went wrong. Everything I did went wrong. Everything I thought was wrong. It seemed like the whole world was against me. It was Bob against everybody else. Y'all ever feel that way? I know most of you don't, so I'm just talking to myself here. But um, anyway, I, it was kind of one of those weeks, and I was just—I was really discouraged and was just tired of dealing with people. Um, have you ever noticed that people sometimes are a problem? Have you ever noticed that? You know, if it wasn't for the people, it wouldn't be a problem. You know, <laughs> well, that, this particular week, I was really in the middle of one of those weeks, and I was just kind of tired of it, tired of fighting, 
ready to say the blank with all of it. And, uh, and, and, and what I found myself doing was this, and this is why I bring this up for this person. What I found myself doing is, rather than recognizing that what was going on was warfare, rather than, rather than I mean, hello, we've been talking about this, but rather than recognizing that, I began to look at myself. And I began to think, well, I must be doing something wrong. You know, I must be screwing up. I, I must, I, it must, it's got to be my fault. And, and so rather than recognizing exactly what was going on, I started thinking to myself, you know, you know, if, if I was really, you tell me you all ever have any of these conversations with yourself. If I was really godly, you know, if I was really, you know, if I was really a godly, holy person, in the middle of God's will, walking in His path, if I was really that, then I wouldn't be having all this happen. Y'all ever think that? <laughs> nah. Guess what? <laughs> We're in a war. <laughs> and, you know, I, the problem is, is, is I, there's a lot of teaching out there that makes it almost sound like to become a Christian... It's part of the American dream. Right? And so when you become a Christian, that means you don't have any problems anymore. That means everything's solved, everything's taken care of, you have no more issues, you can retire rich and, and, and have a big home, big cars and, and everything else and, and never get sick, never have any kid problems, never have any wife problems or husband problems, never have anything. It's just from then on... It's, it's, and so if you find yourself in the middle of some of that, you can begin to start thinking, well, gosh, you know, I must be screwing up here somewhere. It must be my fault. It, it, it must... It, have, in other words, you can be, you can be slap dab... Is that a word? Yeah, that's a good southern word, isn't it? You can be slap dab in the middle of, of God's presence, of His plan, of His will. You can be walking in righteousness and in holiness and still have war. In fact, as Paul, the Apostle Paul, says this, I, I need to count it, but he says it over and over and over in the Scriptures. Fight the good fight. He wouldn't tell us to fight the good fight if there wasn't a fight, if we weren't in war, if there wasn't a fight, he wouldn't be telling us, fight the good fight. He'd say, run. He'd say, forget about it. Do your own. But he says, fight it. And I love it, Ephesians, after he describes all this armor of God, he says this, when you've done everything you can do to stand, stand. Just keep standing. Just don't give up. I, I think if there's any message that ought to give out, that ought to go out, is don't give up. Just don't give up. Don't quit. Keep standing. Keep putting on the armor. Keep walking in faith. Keep trusting God. Keep believing in Jesus. Keep reading His Word. Keep studying. Keep praying. Keep. Don't give up. Don't quit. I'm, listen, I'm telling you, sometimes it's tempting to quit. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's tempting to just say, you know what? It ain't worth it. I'm done. 
Listen, I've been there. I know what that feels like. But you know what? You can't quit. You're in a war. You're in a battle. Amen. Another major part of warfare, and this is the good part here. You ready? Another major part is to realize we've already won. Right? We've already won. We're already winners. We've already won this thing. The enemy has already been defeated. We are already victorious. In other words, when we're fighting, and this somehow this sound, sounds like a play on words, but it's not. When we begin to understand this and grasp it, it'll change our lives. We fight from a, from a place of victory, not to get victory. Man, that's good, Bob. I'm sure I've heard that from somewhere, but I'm taking credit for it. We, we fight, in other words, if, I'm, if I understand that I'm already seated in the heavenlies with Jesus, if I understand I'm already the righteousness of Christ, if I understand that I already have victory, and I'm just fighting this battle from that position, I can have a total different outlook and attitude in the middle of it than if I think that I'm down here, beaten down, whipped up on, and I'm trying to claw my way to victory. It's a total different mindset. It's a, it's a completely different attitude. So we're fighting from a place of victory. It says this in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 13. It says this, He, who is Jesus, has what? Has delivered. Now let me ask you, you English majors out there. Is, de, is delivered, what, what kind of tense is that? This side got it. How about you over there? Delivered is what tense? You're a math major back there, but you got it, right? It's past. It means, past means what? It's done, done. <laughs> it's done, 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 did it for all you English people. It's, it's, it's done. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Look, this, I mean, this ought to make you shout right here. He's delivered us from that and transferred into the kingdom of of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption. We're not trying to get it. We're not trying to earn it. We're trying to work into it, but we have it. Guess what tense that's in? Presence. Man, y'all are smart. He's delivered us. We now have redemption. We have forgiveness of sins. Hebrews says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and what? Deliver how many? If you're part of all, raise your hand. <laughs> He's already done it. Jesus wiped him out. Jesus destroyed the works of the enemies. He's already done that, accomplished that. We're fighting from a place of victory already. He's, he's done it. We've won. This is, this is it's really important for us to get this. Jesus has already defeated the enemy and delivered us from his bondage. Now, we've got to figure out, okay, why, then why are we in the middle of it? If that's true, why do we still fight? 
right? I mean, if I just heard that, I'd be thinking, well, then why do I still have problems? <laughs> if, that's, if that's the case, if, I've already, if Jesus has already done that and I've got all that, then why, why am I still having issues during the week? Did any of y'all think that? Don't lie. You see, the reason is this. When Jesus came and he did that to the enemy, he destroyed them, he took the authority and power away from the enemy. All right? So the enemy now comes not with authority and power. When the enemy comes to tempt you and to work in your life, it's not because he has authority and power. It's because he's a thief. Pay attention to this. What do thieves do? They steal. Do they do they do they do it legitimately? In other words, do they do it because they now have the authority and they have the right to come into your house and steal your stuff? Is that how the enemy does that? No, a thief he a thief doesn't have the right, but he's because he's a thief. Thieves come and steal and kill and destroy, not because they have the right to, but because they're going against the right that they have and, and, and they're coming because they're a thief. That's why when Jesus says in John 10, 10, that I came to give you life, but the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, he's a thief. Does that make a lot of sense, doesn't it? You see, Jesus makes this statement in Matthew 28. He came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much is all authority? It's all of it. If Jesus has all of it, does the enemy have any of it? No. Jesus has it all. So the enemy comes when the stuff he does, he does because he's a robber, because he's a thief. He comes as a thief. It's not his right or his authority to do that. You see, one of the, one of the major tactics of the enemy is deception. He wants to come in and he wants to try to deceive us. That's one of his major tactics. And a, a deception is basically lying, it's being a thief. In fact, it's in John 8, 44, it says this, Satan was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character because he is a liar. Like, listen to this. Guess what the enemy's going to do when he says something to you? Lie. <laughs> There's some part of what he says that's false. Now, a lot of times he'll cloak it in a bunch of stuff that's true, but then there's something that's deceptive about it, and when he's saying it to you, his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy from you because he's a liar. That's who he is. That's his character. Now, in order for... Here's where I want to go with this. Let me see if I can make this sense. Oh, man, I've still got two hours. No, one second. No. <laughs> Three hours. You see, here's the point. You and I need to learn how to recognize and how to deal with the voice of the enemy for this reason. Here's the way I see this. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me, let me tell you this. You see, Jesus, over and over and over, Jesus talks about us recognizing his voice, Jesus' voice, hearing his voice, knowing him. That's why the scripture talks so much about knowing God, knowing the Father, where we, we spend time with him and we get to know him. My understanding of it is this. There's, 
unless there's something psychologically wrong with you, <laughs> we have three basic voices that we can hear. One is our own, our own, own. You with me? You hear your own voice. When you talk to yourself, you hear yourself. Do y'all do that? We're all on the same page, right? Now, some of you may be hearing other things, but that's like I say, if you're, if you're not clinically out there, then you hear three voices, your own voice, and you can hear God's voice, and you can hear the enemy's voice. Now, Jesus says this. Look, we're going to go into some scriptures here. We're going to look at this. In John chapter 10, look what he says. You see, we, we have to learn how to recognize God's voice, our voice, and the enemy's voice. Jesus says in John 10, he says this, The one who enters in by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they, they know or they recognize his voice we follow him because we know his voice all right i'm not gonna get i'm tempted to sidetrack there but i'm not y'all be glad okay he, he <laughs> we know his voice look what it says but they will never follow a stranger in fact they will run away from him because they do not what recognize a stranger's voice now here's kind of the, the kick in that it's important for us to recognize the voice of the enemy as a stranger. In other words, if I'm hearing my voice, I should recognize my voice. When I'm thinking to myself, I recognize my own voice. When I hear God's voice, if I've spent enough time doing this and, and, and heard from God, I begin to recognize his voice. The stranger's voice is what? A voice that I don't recognize. In other words, it's kind of a play on words. I have to recognize that I don't recognize it. So when I'm going along and all of a sudden this voice comes in, and it comes in through my mind, okay, it comes in, I hear this voice. If it's not me, if it's not God, and it's a voice that I, I, don't, I don't even know where that came from, I don't recognize it, then guess who that is? It's the enemy, according to what Jesus says. You see, the enemy works hard to deceive himself, to be to be in the shadows where we're, we're, bottom line, it kind of goes back to what we started with. The enemy doesn't want us to believe that he exists. If he can win that battle, that victory, then he's got us. If we just think, oh, this is all up to us, we're doing our own thing, he's nowhere around, then he's won. So he, he doesn't want us to recognize that he's there, that he's got a voice. So he begins to come in and he tries to whisper things to us and teach us things. In fact, this there's a parable of the sower. Y'all remember the parable of the sower? It says this. This is part of that parable. It says, when the, when the seed's been sown, the one along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil, the enemy, comes and he does what? He takes away the word from where? The, hello? <laughs> Did I lose you, James? I want y'all to see this. There we go. He takes away the word from where? From the heart. So the enemy comes in. We've heard the word of God. It comes in. We've listened to it. We've received it. And then the enemy comes along and he wants to do something with it. He wants to come in and he wants to snatch it away. He wants to take that word that we've heard from our heart. 
If he can do that, it's so that we will not believe and be saved. In other words, the enemy comes in, we've heard the truth. Here's how it happens. I'm going to give you kind of a progression here. We hear the truth. We hear the word of God. Hey, guys, how are you all doing? <laughs> I recognized you earlier. I meant to say something. This is the Ricketts. Y'all wave to the Ricketts. They haven't been here in, they haven't been here in about five years now. So we're, Actually, they, they travel and go up where I want to be, up in the mountains. and, and uh, Not that I'm jealous or anything, but um, I don't like you because you do that. Um, anyway, let's get back to the point here. <laughs> the enemy comes in and he takes and he attacks this truth and he takes it from, from our heart, the root, and he pulls it out. He understands this, that if he, the enemy knows that if we hear God's word and we receive it into our, into our heart, then what? Then we'll begin to walk in that and we'll begin to walk in the truth of that. In fact, as Jesus made this statement, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what do you think the enemy wants to do? The word comes, we receive it in. He wants to come in and whisper things to us. That's not true. That's not right. And he wants to come in and try and snatch it from us. That's his tactic. That's what his plan is. So we've heard it. He comes in and tries to steal it. In other words, he'll come in, and the enemy will come in, and he'll start speaking, guess what, to us. What does he speak? The enemy speaks lies. So we've heard the truth, we're receiving it in our heart, the enemy comes in, he begins to speak lies to us, and he begins to tell us different things, and he comes in and he, he tries to rip them off from us, and he comes in and tries to steal them from us, because he knows that if we get the truth, he knows that if we, if we get it and we receive it into our hearts, then, then it's going to have an impact in us, and it's going to change us, in fact, it's going it's to set us free. You see, once, once his lies begin to take root in our belief, here, here's what comes along. The enemy comes along, and he begins to speak lies to us. And if we're not careful, we can begin to believe the lies because we don't stand on the, the truth. Often the enemy, you know where the enemy attacks often is at who we are. He attacks at our identity. And if we don't know the Scripture, if we don't know the Word of God, if we don't know who we are in Jesus, if we don't have that firm, the enemy can come in and begin to lie to us. That's where, why do you think there's so much, there's so many issues with, 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 with rejection, with, with, with worth, with self-worth. So many people in our culture today fight with who they are. Why do you think that's true? Because that's what the enemy attacks. He goes after it. He's constantly whispering into you. He whispers into your brain. You know, you just you just don't have it. He just whispers to you, just kind of slightly. It's a whisper. You know, you you just you just aren't quite good enough. You know what? You've always been a loser, and you're gonna keep being a loser. You know what? You're just good for nothing. You, you're not going to amount to anything. When you grow up, you're not going to be anything. You, you, you know what? You probably ought to just quit. You ought to just give up on life. Why do you think there's so many suicides? People just give up. Self-worth in, this, in our society right now is in a horrible, horrible place. People don't, don't recognize who they can be. Jesus comes in and changes all that, and he gives us 
freedoms. He, he comes in and changes who we are at our core, at our identity. And when we begin to recognize and know that, then we can stand against the lies. The enemy can come in and say this, and we can say, no, that's not true. The enemy can tell you you're just sorry, loser, good for nothing, and you can say, well, no, 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 that's not true. Here's what's true. What's true is I'm, I'm God's child. What's true is I'm a son of the king. What's true is I'm righteous and holy. I don't care whether I just screwed up yesterday or not. What's true is I'm righteous and holy. What's true is I'm a man or a woman of God. What's true is I'm going to walk in victory. What's true is I have faith. This is what's true. I, I know you're lying to me, but here's what's true. And I know what's true because your word says it's true. And I've read it and I've believed it and I've, I've, I've bought into it. I've received it into my heart. You see, what happens is if we're not careful, we begin to, we begin, the enemy comes in with this flood of lies and we begin to believe his lies. Flip over, um, uh, flip down, James, to the to the slide. There's a little slide down there. Just keep flipping to a couple of, to a couple of. There we go. Here, here's kind of a progression of what happens. This is kind of a picture form. Here's here's a progression of what happens. We we begin to believe the enemy comes in and there's this battle over truth. He begins to speak it to you. So you soakum people recognize this. He begins to speak to us. Okay, he begins to, there's truth that we've had. The liar comes in and he begins to lie to us. And he begins to battle that with you. And he begins to tell you, no, that's really not true. No, this is really who you are. Just ask your wife. She'll tell you who you are. Just ask your husband. Just ask your boss. Just ask whoever. They'll, they'll, they won't, they'll really tell you who you are. And he comes in and he lies to us. And there's this battle over truth. So the first step is he begins to come and battle that. But then notice this shift, this, this, this shift of perspective. It goes from battling over the truth and there's this perspective shift. Then he leads us to this experience. It becomes internal. We begin to believe his lies and we begin to respond to that. So now we begin to have this, external experience, this internal experience which, which, which goes something like this. You know what? I have been a screw up. You know what? I did mess up last week. You know what? I have been a failure. I have, this has happened. And we begin to internalize what the enemy's been lying to us about, and we begin to believe it ourselves. So then it becomes a belief into our heart. And then guess what? The belief in our heart begins to manifest. Because out of the heart, what happens? Our mouth speaks so we've bought into the lie from the enemy we've we've changed our perspective then we begin to believe it in our inside of us and then we not only begin to believe it but then we begin to speak it because our heart believes it then we begin to speak it now here's the key and i don't have time to get into it this morning maybe i will be able to next week but here's the key we have to, to stop that process you and i have to know the truth which is in the word of God, we have to know that and we begin to speak what we know from the truth versus what we feel in here. Let me say it again. 
When the enemy comes in and robs and steals and lies and tells us this and this and this about us, we begin, because we've got the Word of God, we begin to say and declare with our mouths, this is what the Word of God says, this is what the truth is. I know that may be true, enemy, but from your perspective, but from my perspective and God's perspective, who's the one that counts, this is what's true. So we begin to buy into that. We begin to believe the truth of God's Word and what He says. You see, this whole cycle, I'm going to read a couple more verses and we're going to be done. This whole cycle of, of what we just saw in there is basically demonic. A, a person usually winds up, after they've received that, usually winds up in a place of bondage to his or her own emotions, which are just basically running amok. You ever been there where just it seems like everything just goes wrong and you just, everything you look at is wrong. Everything's a problem. You ever been there? You know what that is? That's when that's happened to you. That's when your emotions have gotten to the point where you just have gotten to the place where it's like, man, there is nothing good in life. Everything's this way. And that's what you begin to see. And that's what you begin to believe. The Apostle Paul calls this a stronghold. Let me read 2 Corinthians to you. It says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience. We take every thought captive. <laughs> Let me just give you a couple of examples and we'll close. What's a stronghold look like in my life? Basically, a stronghold is any place that the enemy has control that Jesus doesn't. That's a stronghold, bottom line. And it can be in many areas. It could be in the area, it could be in, in the area of finances. It could be in the area of money. If our, if our money, if your and my money is not under submission of God, then it becomes under, under somebody else's submission. And then we constantly are battling money issues. We're constantly fighting those. We're constantly dealing with them. It's always a problem because we've given in to that stronghold. It's all we wind up thinking about. If all you think about is money, then you need to be careful. It could be, it could be what Barton shared last week. A stronghold could be unforgiveness. It could be resentment. It could be bitterness. Strong stronghold. If you didn't hear that message last week, I'd encourage you to get it. It's on our podcast. It's, it talks about for, about forgiveness and how to walk in that and know whether you actually are walking it or not. But it, it, what happens is if we don't choose to forgive, we wind up holding on to bitterness and anger and we empower the enemy at that point because we are walking in forgiveness. We empower the enemy to come in and to, to basically line up in us what's going on with what, he, what he's trying to do in us. And so we begin to walk in bitterness and walk in unforgiveness and resentment toward people, distrust. Or as I said earlier, one of the strongholds that a lot of people have, and it's just because we don't understand the scripture, we begin to believe our, just the lie about who the enemy says you literally are, about, about your identity. You begin to believe into those lies. But there can be many strongholds. It can be, it, it can be a stronghold in the area of, of, of you know, the things we look at, the things we see. It can be an area of addictions. Strongholds can be addictions where we've just bought into things and given into things where, where, we, where we just feel like we've been bondage to that thing. That's a stronghold. 
And God wants to set us free from it. He wants to loose us from it. Amen. Let's do this. Um, Andrew, can you come back up and play play? Play something sweet and pretty. Why don't you guys stand up? I want you to just take a minute and ask the Lord. Ask Him just to expose, to show if there's an area that's a stronghold in your life. The way I like to do that is I like to ask God to deal with one thing at a time. <laughs> so I just ask, I would encourage you, just ask the Lord, just pray and say, ask the Lord, Jesus, is there, is there an area in my life that's not in submission to Christ. Is there an area in my life that's that's a stronghold? I mean, it literally could be it could be anything from overeating to uh, to to gossip to to drinking too much. To, it could be any number of things. Is there an area in my life that's a stronghold that I'm not giving to Jesus totally, and I'm and, and it's it's just been wrecking havoc in my life. Ask the Lord to show you if there's one. I just ask that you would Lord, just open our eyes to truth. Lord, show us if there's an area in your life that, that you want to set us free from, that area in our life that we have uh, we have given into, that we've been in bondage to and slavery to, an area that you want to set us free in. Lord. Father, I pray you just use it, put a light on that. Lord, show it, show it to us. An area that's been a stronghold. ask if God showed you something, just raise your hand. If he showed you there's an area that is a stronghold, I'll just ask you to